Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. To celebrate hitting 10,000 followers on Instagram, they are giving away their new Sinusoid Sliver plugs. Uh, they are J G and H plugs. Just hey, start over. Hey guys, this episode... <laughs> Sorry. I think I talked over you. Um, hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. To celebrate hitting 10,000 followers on Instagram and their new line of patch cables, they are giving away their Sinusoid Sliver Plugs. Uh, enter at sinusoid.com slash 10K. The contest ends on July 5th. which that's, we are, from, that's like in a day or two. Yeah, we are releasing this on the 4th. So you have, from the time of this release, 48 hours before this contest ends. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> This episode is brought to you also by Barefoot Buttons, the Barefoot Buttons of Buttons. Go check them out at barefootbuttons.com. We use them. We love them. Big fan. Big, big buttons. Big, big fans. <laughs> big fan of big buttons. Yeah, Every time I post a picture on Instagram or, or wherever else of my pedal board or of, button, or of pedals that have buttons, people ask about them in a way where they're like, I got to get one of those, you know, because... Uh, you know, they're, they really work. They're great. They help you get in, uh, your foot down into tight spaces. It's perfect. So go look them up. Uh, please support them. They've been a great sponsor for us. All, as well as Sinusoid, too. They've also been a great sponsor for us. We really love working with them. So go check them out. Hi, I'm Brady Smith from Old Blood Noise Endeavors, and you are listening to Six Cycle Home, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Hey guys, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Steve. Yep, we're recording here. Are you gonna play a, are you a gonna Friday play a, are you gonna put an intro in this week or I'm do gonna, I need to say it? I'm gonna try to remember, hopefully when I when I hear us talking about it in the editing process, that will remind me to do it. I missed it last week and I'm sorry. So I reminded you, I know, but you reminded me after I had already published the, uh, the episode, the inner circle to, version that had four downloads to the inner circle. Yeah, I know, but it's all about like, I already did the work. Oh my gosh. It's Sunday night. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> you know, I, I'm allowed to be lazy. I know. <laughs> do we have anything new? Nope. I do. Well, we oh, do. you do. Yeah. We do. That's right. I just. Yeah, I instinctively say nope all the time. <laughs> we were sent the uh, the contraband fuzz by Walrus Audio. Yeah, it's a one knobber. It is a one knobber. Is it volume or fuzz? There's that it a two way switch on it, and then a uh, and then a foot button, obviously. Okay. Uh, so it's the the knob is volume. I think it says output. Right. So that's just so you can you know hit uh, the volume that you want or find uh, Unity or Blaster amp or you could actually use it to to completely turn off your signal if you want. I guess. No, actually, I don't think it goes all the way down. I tried it out the other day. I'm uh, I'm working on a demo for it right now. Hopefully, I'll have that up soon. Uh, I used this live already, and I actually had like a lot of fun with it. Oh, really? Where did you uh, did you use it with DinoGhost? No, I used it at church. Oh, okay. Uh, I usually go for like really kind of like Velcro 
rip in like hard edged, like over the top fuzzes. This is kind of more in your kind of fuzz facey, kind of like trying, you can kind of push into like overdrive type of sounds, sort of fuzz. I think it sounds really great. I actually used it a lot at church. It's got kind of, like I said, like an overdrive thing going on right. while being a fuzz. Sits well in the mix. There's only one control over its mm-hmm. over its tone, and it's a bright and uh, just the switch, like a bright and fat switch. Right, and that's cool. Both settings sound really freaking good, and I'm really kind of surprised that I'm having so much fun with basically a fuzz that has one control. Right, and it's a switch. Sometimes it's nice, like. It's just really dialed in. You know, I, I haven't had a chance to, to mess with it at all, but, you know, there are, there are definitely certain effects where all you need is if the, if the one parameter is the right parameter, that's the only one you need to adjust. And I'm sure they could have easily gone in and be like, oh, let's give this thing four knobs and three switches and make it your super, super versatile fuzz. I really, I, I'd love to sit down with Colt or get him on the phone or something like that and be like, what was the process behind this? Because it's almost like they had a fuzz circuit. They maybe they had pots lined up for it and controls lined up for it. And like this one setting or these two settings, right? Just sound really solid. Let's just release it as these two settings and put a volume knob on it. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of a really interesting thing to think about. Um, that kind of got me thinking. And then like with any fuzz, you can turn in your, down your guitar guitar volume. And, yeah, and clean it up clean if it you up. want. It's so just, it's like an always on fuzz. Yeah. Well, I actually kind of feel that that way. Like it kind of it stacks well with drives, like light gain drives and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it just sounded really natural and it sat in the mix with a band really, really well. And I'm just kind of impressed by it. Was that last week? It was last week. Yeah, you were re- you were cutting through because you weren't mic'd for like most of it. I know. <laughs> and I was and I was actually um I was up in the sound booth, and they probably the reason they didn't know that you weren't mic'd is because you were cutting through pretty well. That's funny. So that's good. Uh, to- and then after you texted me, because uh, you knew I was up there, uh huh. Um, you were like, "Grab, grab me a mic out of the sound booth," and I was like, "Hey, uh, do we have any mics? Where are the mics at?" And they're like, "They're on the TV down on the floor." Oh, great. I was like, "Crap!" Uh, and then I just saw one up there, and I was like, "Does this one work?" They're like, "Yeah, I think so." Who knows if they even put me in the system for the last two songs um, when I put in the mic. But uh, it's good yeah, to hear that my Classic 50, even though it wasn't turned up super loud, it's turned up loud enough that when I'm standing where I'm getting beamed by it, that it's competing with the drums right? Uh, for volume, that that's still putting me into the audience enough. At least up in the balcony. At least up in the balcony. It is kind of pointed right at the balcony. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But, but to be honest, if I wasn't in the mix, if people couldn't hear me Sunday, I'm kind of glad because I kind of did an awful job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I walked away from from the stage like, wow, that was probably the worst I've played in years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I was kind of feeling under the weather and like having a tough time. I think so. I'm scheduled to play this week, yeah. and uh, which would be yesterday now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to pull out the old uh, trusty red Telecaster. I haven't nice. played that thing in a while. The Steve Classic. Uh, the the closest thing that... I mean, literally, like that thing is basically like a signature instrument. Like, Yeah. It's a, it's a red Telecaster with a freaking strap pickup in the neck. And a humbucker in the and bridge. And a humbucker in the bridge. Yeah. 
and a friggin' squire neck on a God knows what body. Yeah, who knows where that body came from? That's I don't think that's a fender body. It's so heavy. Yeah. It's like... There's some uh, kind of parts I body. Know. I wouldn't be surprised if it was even like like a PV or something like that. You know? I have no idea. It's beautiful, but it's yeah. heavy. Like yeah. It's got a that tummy cut on the back uh-huh. where you can really see like the layer. Like I say the layering, it makes it sound like it's plywood, but it's not. It's just like you can see where the grain is yeah, yeah, yeah. on the back. And I've, I've always thought looking at it, like because it's already like partially, I guess, um, stripped because of the tummy cut, I always think about like, man, I wonder if I should just strip the whole thing. But then I kind of like the like semi relic state yeah. of it because it's kind of like dinged up. It's not like a glossy top or anything. It's kind of it's charming in the way like an old but not old enough car that happens to have one panel primer gray can be charming. Sure, you know what I'm talking about. Um, like if you see someone driving around like an '80s Mustang. And one panel is primer gray, and you just know they're never going to get around to painting it. <laughs> but it's kind of charming in that way. If it's the right panel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, those guys, they're never going to finish fixing up that car. That's just what it looks like now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's got that look. That's kind of, that's the state of that guitar. I, you know, I talked about in the group not too long ago that I was thinking about um, throwing an EMG Tele set on, oh on the PV. But I think um, that red Telecaster is pretty much, unless I upgrade the pickups. If I upgrade the pickups, they're still going to be a Strat and a humbucker. Uh huh. They'll just be a different Strat and a different humbucker. And what's in there right now are Duncan. So I, and like they're Duncan USAs. Yeah. So I don't really. Yeah, you don't like, need to need don't to need upgrade to tweak that. Are you unhappy um, with it? No, but then you why know, would you change it? Uh, because I host the show. <laughs> That's why. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but then the PV, like the other, like everyone was talking about EMGs and how dumb EMG is. And I played an EMG Tele once, and it was friggin' fantastic. So now I'm like, oh man, do I do I want to go down that route again? Do you want to go against the grain, like, huh? I just like the fact that everyone was so mad about EMGs on the Facebook group. Uh huh. Or like, I don't know, you know, people are just joking around and I'm just like, I kind of yeah. want to be, I, I want to do this for real. The only thing that's kept me from messing around with EMGs is that I've seen them like in parts bins and stuff like that and seen the, the cable coming out of it. And it's got like 50 wires coming out of those pickups. There's like three. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Oh no, there's gosh. a lot more than three. Uh, Maybe I'm thinking of lace sensors. Lace sensors are just regular pickups. Uh, There's it, something I've seen that had like 50 wires coming it, out of it. I don't know. The the standard EMG set, uh-huh. there's just the th- three wires just like uh This is one like of those moments coil. where Paul Roney is listening to the episode and he's like swearing at me because we got something wrong. It's like any, I'm pointing at Ryan. It's Ryan. He's any, the one that's getting it anyone wrong. Anyone who's listening who knows anything about EMGs is like, Ryan, the, why are you so stupid? The, Meyer, the modern EMG has like a quick connect system. It's just oh, like really? there's like three prongs sitting out and then there's like a Molex. Yeah. Excuse me. Plastic connector that just like goes over it that already has the wires hooked up. So it's a quick connect. Quick I release. mean, I, I, I saw something one time that was some kind of covered pickup and literally there were like 50 wires. All right, let's recap. Ryan saw a thing. Uh huh. It was scary. It's true. You, you, the end. Cracked the code. No, it was completely scary. I was like, I'll, I'll never be able to do that. I have enough trouble with, with two wire pickups 
like getting <laughs> like changing out a strap pickup. I seem to get it wrong every time. I don't know how I manage it. Uh, it's, the, it's always the switch. I always get fumbled up on that five way switch. You know, things get put in backwards and I put the whole thing back together and it sounds like garbage. And like, what did I do wrong? You, know? you used that Radio Shack solder, man. It's no good. I got that GFS solder now. Oh, I got like six tubes of that bulk deal. You know? Or the hand blown. I got the hand blown solder. Hand blown tubes. Should we get into ads? Tubes? Yeah, let's get into ads. I feel like we've been doing this forever. Like doing like just this intro forever. But I looked down and we're only like 11 minutes into it. That's not bad. And I know that in the past we've gone like um, 17 minutes oh, into the hey, intro. Oh, hey, let's talk about this. I don't know if we can talk about this. Why not? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Your packet. I don't. I, I know what this is. You know what? Let me send a text and maybe we'll talk about it after ads. Okay. Is, is Does it have not anything to do with ads? No, it doesn't. Okay. So um, it's its own thing. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but this first ad was sent to us. Oh, by Jody from Coast Sonic. Yeah. Good old friend of the show, Jody. He's a nice guy. Runs CoastSonic.com. They sell pedals. Uh, and you know, kind of like it's your online store for you know, kind of the boutique world. You want to go browse around a bunch of different brands in the boutique yep. world. It's a good Every place once to go. in a while, he's, when he finds something uh, pretty weird, um, yeah, he'll, he'll send, send it to stuff. us. So this is off of eBay. So this is a Finler Deluxe Reverb. Yep. Finler. Finler. F-E-N-L-E-R-D-E-L-U-X-E. D and Lux. It's like Deluxe. It's like it's... Deluxe. It's like it's uh, in Latin language. Uh Uh-huh. It's spaced D-E space Lux E. This is is an ad that is already completed on eBay. It already sold. The winning bid was $102. Shipping was $50. So this was... $152 $152 mm-hmm. total. I know how to do math. I did that in my head. Good are you, job. Are you impressed? I am. <laughs> so the, right off the bat, there's something very wrong with this. Mm-hmm. The text on the amp looks like it's going to say Fender. It's the same font. Yeah. It's that same like hand script font with the weird uh, with the weird F. Um the 7F, you know, the 7Ender. Yeah, the 7Ender. But it says... Except it, I guess this would be 7Endler. Seven 7Endler. Seven it says Finler. Uh, you apparently looked up more information on it than I did. Yeah. Like you said, it's some kind of Filipino brand. Um, this does not look like any Fender amp you've ever seen so, in your so life. So the copy, it just says, I believe it was made in Japan during the 60s or 70s. Uh, all tube makes a great starter for the person who likes to tweak amps or strip out and rebuild. Powers on, sold as is. The chassis design, like that faceplate, is actually a design that Fender used in on the late s- 60s, 70s on like these like cheap, weird solid state PA kind of things they did. They also used it on solid state reverb units. That maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the solid state reverb units. Um, but they so, never had kind of like this weird like. I don't think they ever did this golden white faceplate kind of look no i'm pretty sure the colors are wrong just the the general aesthetic there's a lot wrong here yes starting with the fact that it says fenler yeah i mean fenler is the the giveaway uh all things aside though if i had seen this when it was on ebay mm-hmm. i i would have bid would you have paid 152 dollars for this yeah so this is what i i did a lot of research on this uh because it's just so 
crazy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The ad said it's made in Japan, but apparently these were uh, referred to as serviceman amps. Okay. And what that meant was like in the late 60s uh, and 70s when the United States was actively. Um, I don't want to use the word occupying, but they had a strong military presence in like the Philippines. They were keeping an eye on things. Yeah. Uh, this is like, you know, <laughs> that's a strong euphemism. Um, they, like We used to have a pretty strong military presence in the Philippines uh-huh. during the Vietnam War era. And actually really after like World War II, we kind of mm-hmm. established that. So, a, lot of, a lot of American GIs brought home inter- interesting amps, instruments, and they brought home ladies. <laughs> I'm too good. So, I'm too Tecate's deep over here. So, so. Um, and it's three so, o'clock on a Friday. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> so the, these were made. Um, this some people say that they were made in Japan and then shipped to the Philippines. Other sources said that they actually will say like made in Manila or made in like these different uh-huh. uh, Philippine cities. Um, so it's kind of like it seems like I don't know if that's because there was a range. Of uh, of locations they made these, or if that's just because um, like there just isn't a ton of information. But again, they like, they were called servicemen amps because they were designed to be sold to GIs. You know, yeah, you had to leave your gear at home because you're coming across the ocean. Yeah, you're not going to bring your freaking amp with you. So uh, some of the threads I was reading online, people were saying that like, oh yeah, I served it, I served on such and such boat. I was often on that boat for like multiple tours over two years, and they had the same set of Fenler amps on the ship the entire time. Wow. So some of these apparently like work really well. The design, uh, everything I've read, the designs is a little unconventional, but the wiring is like really clean. It's not just like a rat's nest. Uh I I don't know if you can see. I mean, on here there are thumbnails, but I when I looked at the ad, I could look through, and it looks like it looks like a hand wired amp. Yeah, like people would pay put together really well. People would pay big money for an amp wired this way now. Yeah. So, um, given that it's all in working order, in a couple weeks you get to do a demo of this amp. I do. Well, unless you want me to do it. Did you order this? I bought this amp. Are you serious? It was midnight, and Steve, I was like, what? Okay. What the hell? So, new amp day, Oh, eventually. my gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> I I, uh, I was definitely attracted by the fact that, like all Fender amps... That's it had, what you paid? 152 152 Nice. Uh, like all Fender amps of this era, it has two channels. Uh, the normal channel, and, well, in this case, the vibrator channel. I'm glad this is our first episode of the day. I'm stoked. Um, so it's uh, I've heard that the vibra- there's not actually a vibrato unit like a vibrato my kid circuit just woke in up. this amp. Um, I got to go get my kid. So uh, I'll let you talk and then you can press pause. All right. So I don't I don't really know um, how this whole thing works. I don't know how the circuits are set up, but it looks super cool. It needs some cleaning up. Uh, I may, after I get it, if it's in working order and just needs some like rework on it, there's a, there's like a broken knob on it. There's a reverb knob. I never saw a reverb tank in any of the pictures, so I'm not sure how that works, but all in all, like this is just a really crazy kind of cool looking amp. And I don't know, I might have to like hide it at the church or something, but I'm pretty excited about this i'm excited too i had to get my kid my wife is running an errand i'm gonna pause it real quick and we'll continue talking about this 
So before we were rudely interrupted by my toddler, who's thanks Henry, waking up from a nap. Uh, so you were t- you were talking about the, uh, the some features of this thing. Yeah, it's it's a little inconsistent. Um, these thing these types of amps were made for for a few years. There's apparently also a Fendler Bassman out there. Interesting. Um, <laughs> one of the things that's interesting about this one is all of the pictures I've been able to find of deluxe reverbs um, have two power tubes. Uh huh. This one has four. Interesting. Now, um, I bo- maybe that's the deluxe part. Well, I'm saying other deluxe reverbs huh. have uh, other other Fendler deluxe reverbs. <laughs> Fendler, <I'm, laughs> I can't get over this freaking yeah. thing. <laughs> other Fendler deluxe reverb reverbs have four tubes, um, or have two tubes. So this is a little confusing. The standard deluxe reverb has a pair of six V6s in it uh, for 22 watts. From what I understand, these other, the Fendlers, have two 6L6s in it for 40 watts. If this thing shows up with a quad of 6L6s, that's freaking like twin reverb status. Yeah, that's a big, powerful amp. Now, like I was saying, when you were out, there's a reverb knob that is actually, it looks like it's broken off. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't see a reverb tank in any of the pictures, so it might just be like we mimicked like the exterior chassis, but this isn't actually hooked up to anything. Sure. I mean, I guess it could be like a... I guess back then there, you couldn't have just done solid-state reverb. Like, that didn't exist. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, like, tankless, I mean, in terms of like... Like, there wouldn't have been digital And you reverb. were saying that the, the vibrato actually isn't a vibrato? From, from what I understand, there's not actually... Like, basically, it sounds like from things I've read that those three knobs are just duds. They, they're not <laughs> even, like, hooked up to anything. I love it. Or at least if they're hooked up to something, they're not hooked up to the effect that it says. Right. That they are. There's something um, else going on there. But I'm definitely like looking forward to it. Worst case scenario, like it's a really weird $150 amp. Yeah. Like, I guess worst case scenario is it shows up and it doesn't work. Uh, and it's an estate sale. Uh, so it's it just in the ad it says like powers on. Like that's the only Yeah. So well, I think I think the the thing that I'm looking at here that gives me some hope is that this looks used. It doesn't look like it a clo- looks very used. It doesn't look like a closet classic where someone like couldn't get it to work and so they just stuck it in the closet. Right. This looks like someone gigged this. But the flip side of that is someone may have not may have gigged this, you know, 50 years but ago. But I'm saying that it has potential to work. Right. Like right. it's not it's not a dud right like if it was in brand new condition. Yeah. It's not a dud. There's a functionality yeah. here. And like you're saying, like per, or we were both saying per the pictures, like it's not a rat's nest in there. No. It's very clean. So we could send this to a competent shop. Yeah. Um, I've got some ideas of people to give it to that aren't top gear. Sure. That maybe we'll talk about off the air because I don't want to get anyone leaning. But right, this right. is a weird enough project that I, I, have, I think we might have be able to like, who I sweet think... talk some weird some people who are into weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, my I, thought I, was I when, I, when I first saw this ad uh, in the email from Jody, I was like, I would pay 150 for this just for the case and then pay someone else to like work a kit amp into it. Yeah, well, the, if it I doesn't mean, work, you know, and that's what people are saying. But 
you know, the the things I've read on it are, you know, it's a basic, clean platform solid state amp. Does it sound awesome? Like, eh, not really, but it doesn't sound bad. Like, it's yeah. it's what you expect from like a 40 watt tube amp. And again, I, I don't, if this is a quad of six V sixes, that could be weird, but that would be in the 40 watt neighborhood. Like I said, if it's a quad of six L sixes, it, it's that's puts you at least power wise in twin reverb territory. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how I love me clean, loud things. <laughs> well, me too, man. I'm in a surf rock band over here. Yeah. What this, is this? This would the, be like perfect for you. What if this thing is a surf rock machine? I'll sell it to you for 400. <laughs> I'll trade you back your other amp. Oh my god! <laughs> I still own that. You can't trade me something I own. Oh well, uh, where is it? Can you find it? I've got it hidden somewhere. I could probably find it. <laughs> I can't hide it in that many. I need places. to go. I need to go pick up the other acoustic head from Top Gear. It's still over there. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's roll on to this next. I'm, su- ad. I'm super stoked about this, Steve. Well, I'm what's, so glad. What's, a bu- what's bummer about this is because of our recording schedule, we won't talk about this again for a month. I know, right? But I'm I'm super stoked to mess around with this thing. This is going to be a yeah, blast. It's, uh... Even, especially if it sounds like garbage, <laughs> I'm still going to do a demo of it. I'm going to I'm going to so come over fun. and run it through my custom head. Yeah, yeah. thirty watt head. Just can't <laughs> crank it. Oh man, let's uh, let's jump on to the next ad. Sure. This was sent to us by uh, Duke Lucum. Yeah. This is a Earthquaker Devices Arpenoid Polyphonic Pitch Arpeggiator Effect Pedal. There's no text. This is just a picture. Uh, the only reason that I grabbed this ad and thought this ad was worth talking about is because the picture is beautiful. Yeah, there's the picture in the foreground is the uh, Earthquaker has been putting out these like really great looking boxes uh-huh. with like their full printed on um, skull octopus logo. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's you know very professional logo. Really great presentation in this photo here. Uh, behind the the pedal and the box, and beyond the the edge of the table, there appears to be a cat that has uh, the face of Nicolas Cage. I think that is the Nicolas Cage cat of the memes. The, you know him from the popular memes. Yeah, Nicolas Cage cat. Mo- most of I won't say most of our listeners, but like yeah, I'm pretty sure if you Google Nicolas Cage cat, this picture will show up. Um, this is just brilliant. Like, I don't, I don't grab know. your attention yeah. on an ad fodder. I don't know a lot about the Arpenoid. I know it's kind of weird, but I wonder if I it's, think it's like really weird. I wonder if, like, from a musical perspective, if it's appropriate for the rock. <laughs> God, kill me. <laughs> you mean the, you know. Referencing the movie The Rock? I was thinking, like, if this was... If if I was still single and uh, I had a girlfriend, maybe she would buy this for me if she was a valley girl. Uh, (laughs) Let's not do this. This is like a pitch arpeggiator. What pedal do you think you would be prepared a, for this? What pedal do you think would be appropriate to compare it against for a little uh, YouTube face-off? <sighs> Steve has these written down. He's holding up like a big piece of paper and he's crossing them I'm, off. As I am cue carding myself right now. <laughs> I've, I've okay, got, you're, there's 20 more on the paper, Steve. Do you want to keep going? <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Okay, I just, I yeah, just I, I, to- <laughs> I, I just bought this great chair. It's really comfortable. It's made out of like this kind of grassy stuff. Um, you know, it's the wicker man. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I only wanted to talk about this ad because I think it's a perfect example of like grabbing people's attention with a, like you've got one photo, you've got one chance to, to grab people yeah. like this. If I'm shopping for this pedal, this is the ad I'm going to look at. Yeah. This is a store that's selling on reverb. So it's a brand new pedal, $225. Yeah. I, I know that this is a thing that happens on reverb, but I always, and I, it happens on eBay too, but anytime I see new stuff on Reverb or eBay, I'm like, the whole reason I go to this site is to buy yeah. used things. Yeah. Well, you know, some people, they enjoy the buying experience from there and they trust it. So yeah. why not buy from a shop if you actually want the new thing? So sure. I get that. We're just not new people. No. And we I buy mean, used. and it's a market too. I mean, if I'm running, uh, whatever this shop is called, um, shoot, I already moved on to the next ad. I've got um, it here. Um, the unique squared shop in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if 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 I'm them, I'm not ever gonna like randomly venture onto their website. But if I'm on reverb and I go and I'm just looking for arpenoids, then maybe I stumble across this and I go, Oh, you know what? Having a new one, maybe that new product warranty is worth it if they have right. I'm assuming they have a new product you warranty. You know, and and know. we always like we're big into buying stuff used, but that's because we're the, you know, that's just how we roll. We're the people who buy Fendlers. We're a specific kind of customer. People who buy, people who are like buying for studios or for professional reasons and stuff like that, they're trying to kind of max out their, their write-offs for the year sometimes. Sure. So new is absolutely an option for a lot of people. You know, there's other people, other people that just like that new pedal smell. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to judge them. We need the new pedal and new gear buying army out there to buy this stuff and then sell it so that we can buy it at a used price. Exactly. So I mean, we're, it, we're, it, we ne- we're, I'm never going to make fun of anyone for buying stuff new because they're the ones who puts the used, used stuff on my board. Sure. So... They're the uh, they're heroes in my opinion. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Remember the real American hero campaign? We can be heroes. They used to run for like beer or something like that before nine eleven happened. Uh, vaguely. Real American heroes, and then once like America was actually oh, talking yeah, yeah. about. Wasn't that like Budweiser? Something like that. I, what did they change it to after 9-11? It was like Real Men of Genius or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Real Men of Genius. Like you couldn't make jokes about real American heroes after 9-11, so they had to change it. Because, yeah. Because um, uh, there were actually some real American heroes out there, apparently, after 9-11. Oh, my um, We're getting political. I know. Super political. Is that political? We're, I, talking about, we're talking about stuff. I'm pretty sure everyone agrees that 9-11 was bad. 15 years ago, we're bringing up old history. We're bringing up uh, Budweiser commercials from nearly two decades ago. Tupac's cool. Rest in peace. Stop the war. <laughs> Sometimes. All right. Let's hit this last <laughs> ad. This was sent by Tyson Carey Brinicombe. Or bring a comb if you're Ryan and you're illiterate. Bring your own comb. Uh, this is a Takamini Garthbrook signature. Someone's going to rattle us for because I like to say Takamini instead of Takamine, Takamine, whatever. Takamine. Takamine. 
Taka yours. Taka mini. This is a the GB7 Garthbrook signature model was designed as a collaboration between Takamini R&D and country legend Garth Brooks. This model matches a solid cedar top finished in a silky smooth natural satin finish to a solid rosewood back, blah, 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 blah. Unique sound hole. That's the reason that it made the show. Uh. So let's just skip the rest of this. Ryan, you have uh, 30 seconds to just get it all out. Okay. This guitar, this sound hole is the shape of a guitar. Why? Why is that? Why do you need to look down at your guitar and see the shape of the sound hole and be reminded of guitars? Why do you need to be on stage and have other people look at your guitar and be like, there's a sound hole on this guitar. Oh, that hole in the guitar? I don't understand guitars. I'm just an audience member. But that hole looks like a guitar in the guitar. That's the shape of a guitar. Why does that need to happen? Why? And then... If it does need to happen, why did they stop there? How come the bridge isn't shaped like a guitar? How come there's not a guitar inlay on the neck? How come the head shops not the headstock's not shaped like a guitar body? How come, you know, how come the tuning pegs aren't shaped like guitars? How come everything on this isn't shaped like a guitar body? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. It's and it's ugly as a turd. Like it's so ugly, right? The stupid, stupid guitar-shaped sound hole on an acoustic guitar. Do you agree or, just, or do, you, do you disagree? I don't really think very hard about this guitar. It's a signature guitar for... Um, it might as well have... It might as well have guitar written on it. <laughs> on the body. Like stamped in. Tell, tell us how you really feel. Like this, this is a guitar. And then when you put it... When he's holding it on stage, there will be like a neon sign next to him flashing saying, This is a guitar. Like, there's no reason for this kind of design decision. Everyone knows they're looking at a guitar. It's it's like you're seeing into the soul of the guitar. It's like a micro guitar, micro guitar shaped hole. The real problem with it, I mean, if you ever thought you had trouble dropping your picks into the an acoustic guitar, okay, wait till you accidentally drop a guitar into your guitar. <laughs> so what do you think about? <laughs> So all see here's the thing. So when I see this, all I see is like a a basic signature artist uh, guitar, I guess, design choice. Um, so like, you know what? I would be more. I would I would forgive this guitar less if the sound hole was like a cutout of his face. Like a silhouette of his face. <laughs> well, his logo is a G, so maybe it should have just been make a, a big G, G. Make a G hole then. But then, okay, so so how do you feel about the Dean Flying V acoustics that have like the triangle sound hole? Like, is it just that it's a guitar silhouette? Well, let's let's talk let's talk about those for a second and just agree from the get go that those are stupid. Well, they like are the, stupid. The guitar starts out being stupid. And then they continue the theme throughout. This is a regular guitar that has been pushed into a territory of stupid that it doesn't need to be in. There is a BC Rich acoustic guitar. Oh my um, gosh. Or at least at a that. picture of one. Do you think this should have a sound hole that's also the shape of the guitar? I respect that they gave a round sound hole and did not try to make a sound hole the shape of a BC Rich beast like that would be ridiculous i just don't think that hard about it i just think it's a signature model choice 
I mean, most... It's a dumb choice, though. But most signature models, it's like, oh, we're going to change the color of the herringbone to blue. All they needed to do is put a signature on the back of the headstock and be like, this is my guitar. This is my achy, breaky I heart guitar. They, there are no um, inlays on this guitar. Like, the, the fretboard is blank. Actually, when I was a kid, um, or when I was younger, I always, like... I always liked the way the Takaminis played. Like a lot of them play really well. I've also played some that are just garbage. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really depends a lot on the of, price point with them. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the higher end ones I thought played really well. Uh huh. But because I was so like, in a, I guess still a learning phase in terms of comfort, I always was worried about. Like I was interested in this model, but I was always worried about the i like the fact that it didn't have inlays. Like, how am I going to know what fret I'm on? It doesn't have fret markers at all? No. Even I mean, the, I don't know. Maybe it has side. side. It's got to have something. Maybe it has side markers. It has got to have something. I don't want to talk about this stupid guitar anymore. <laughs> You're really... You you went off on this on the group. Yeah. Well, it's dumb. You can't see that this is a dumb guitar. I just don't think I care that much. I just see it as a design choice. It serves the same functionality. Nothing changes. Well, in a way, kind of. I, maybe someone who knows more about acoustic guitars can chime in on the group. But the design actually, it's a much bigger hole than a normal uh, sound hole on an acoustic guitar. I wonder if it, it's, it's got to change the sound of the guitar in some way. I don't way. know if it really. It reduces the surface area of the soundboard. I don't know if it really is that much bigger. It's pretty big, man. <sighs> I don't know if it's that much bigger. Okay, I mean, well, I it guess just, it is, but maybe that just makes it louder. Well, the sound maybe the trade-off of resonance to volume output is worth it. If you're I Garth Brooks, I would think that a larger sound hole would make it quieter because the soundboard is what makes the sound, and then the hole is just where it escapes from. That's true, but is a sound you're the, reducing the size of the soundboard, and you're re, you're removing soundboard from a place where there usually is soundboard to achieve this shape. And so it's got to have some kind of effect. You know what Garth Brooks would say to you about this? It's probably something so stupid. I don't even want to think about it. He would just say, when was the last time you put out a platinum album? (sighs) Only he would say, you cut, you cut me to the quick Garth. (laughs) (laughs) I've got no response to that. Uh, Okay. Your guitar is brilliant because you sold a lot of albums to white women. Good job. <laughs> In the 90s. <laughs> I don't follow country music. Maybe he's still a big deal. I don't he's, know. He's not because he, re- he actually uh, he retired and he's kind of like come back and forth. Um, in some ways, Garth was responsible for being a big hand in the transition of country into like the more rock sound. Right. But, uh, because he was kind of like one of the big people to come out of like, um, there was a lot of production of guys who were like, they would produce a poison record and then they would turn around and produce like right. a country record. Yeah. Or a lot of guys that were producing hair metal in the eighties were producing, uh, country records in the nineties. Um, 
or they were like session players who did like session, right. like that kind of Which stuff. Which sounds weird, but then you remember that every hair metal band had like three ballads on yeah, their and records. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and you also remember that all those hair metal guys had m- basically mullets. Yeah. Uh, and so I mean, that's, it, a, that's a perfect a fit. Big connection there. I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing that you need to complete, you know, a, a musical situation is your haircut. So, you know, it's, I, it's really not about genres of music as far as they sound. It's all about genres of haircuts. The thing that's m- most insane, excuse me, most insane to me is I remember when Achy Breaky Heart came out in like 91, I want to say. Uh-huh. 1990. Sounds about right. Somewhere around there. And growing up in a house where we listened to country music, but it was like, you know, my dad grew up on like Willie Nelson and Patsy Cline and, uh-huh. and Hank Williams and like these. Like the Carters like, and stuff like that. Like the 60s stuff. A lot of like 50s and 60s stuff. Okay, and sure. even like some Dolly 70s Parton. stuff. Yeah, Dolly Parton. Like yeah. um, Merle Haggard. Yeah. Like these kind of guys, right? Buck Owens. Totally. Um, that achy, breaky heart was like, oh my gosh, this guy's bringing the... Achy, breaky heart's not even a country song. Right. Like that was the f- one... I don't want to say it was the first big one. Probably Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams Jr. was like one of the first guys to like combine Southern rock right, and right. country. Um, but then, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus with Achy, breaky heart. It was just madness. I, I remember it. It was complete madness. It was complete madness. <laughs> the world is falling apart. And then now, like, I have these friends who listen to pop country, and they are these... Like, pining for the good old days of Garth Brooks. And I'm just like, I grew up on Garth Brooks. Like, that's sure, my sure. wheelhouse. Like, 90, like late 80s, early 90s country music, as far as, like, what I think of as, like... yeah. Country music in my head. I mean, head. country is is meaningless now. It's just pop, right? It's just like pop. That rock. that's kind of my take, and like it's funny because like again, I have these friends who are like really into like pop country, and I'm just like, we talk about these artists, and I was like, look, if those two guys walked into the room right now, I would punch them in the face. Violence. Punch them in the face and say, that's what you get for making bad music. Wow, Steve. I felt strongly about that guitar. You feel strongly about these people. Well, th- th- well, what I'm saying is like, you know, <laughs> that there's just like, like, I I just, I don't know. The country music, I feel like, with, I, I reference a lot, I call like bro country. Sure, sure. Um, and a lot of people call bro country. I just... Yeah, Blake knows what I'm talking about. Blake hears your Blake heart. has made this rant on yeah. Tone Mobs. So. Well, let's get into the topic and stop talking about this freaking Garth Brooks guitar that is garbage and no one should buy it. <laughs> Did we even mention the price of it? It's expensive. It was seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred dollars for a guitar that looks wrong. It looks bad <laughs> and wrong. I don't know if the price is the price is the price is high. I don't know if it's really too high. Well, in your opinion, it's not worth more than like three dollars. So uh, <laughs> I would pay more than three dollars for this. Uh, you can find these on eBay's for on eBay's. Yeah, on on uh, eBay. Visit your, in the you know browse your selection of eBay's. Um, multiple bays. right around a thousand dollars, like nine hundred to thirteen hundred dollars. There's kind of a range, right? That, I mean, if it's a good playing guitar, then I you know, and then this if well, that's your thing, if that's your thing, I guess. But and then this, I just, this is it's in, a stupid. Design. Well, this ad is from Canada, so there is a an, an additional markup. Oh, okay, yeah. So, you know. So there's that. Yeah, it well, it's also got, you know, maybe like a pound of pharmaceuticals yeah. hidden in it. Oh, the, the so. right. Uh, <laughs> is that a Canada thing? I don't know. I was just thinking it was full of maple syrup. 
Hey, that's true too. It's probably made out of maple, and then you just stick a tap into the into the. the well, no, no, no. I mean, the guitar is made in Japan because it's Takamini. Oh, right, right, right. But it's being sold in Canada, right. so who knows? What's who knows happening. what it's made of? Let's not make any more jokes about this thing. It's getting stupider and stupider. <laughs> Let's talk about this topic. It was suggested to us by uh, a listener of the show and active member of the group, Nick Poppin. Uh, do you want to read it? Um, I don't wonder. He sent us both separate messages, so I'm wondering if your version of the message is different than my own. Um, yeah, let me find it. I mean, it's kind of a ramble. Well, if you have to find it, I could just read mine. No, it's, I got it. Okay. Uh, I'm just gonna jump to the heart of it. Sure, um, sure. He says, "I think you could talk about how very few people in the pedal industry are doing anything brand new." Sure, there are a few companies like Earthquaker, uh, JHS with the color box, uh, whoever, who makes the projector? OD? That's Walrus. Walrus, um, the Bubbletron from Keeley. How come there aren't n- more new effects? There haven't, there have got to be effects that haven't been discovered or created yet. Why can't the people make a new type of reverb or delay, a new overdrive like the projector, a new type of flanger or Fla- something that's it's pronounced flanger flanger a new type of flanger you know I, um so yeah so thanks nick for giving us this topic um in some ways like i understand where he's coming from in other ways like i kind of i mean i don't know uh, it's a it's a difficult question for us to answer because we're not builders this would be a really good one to send into to uh to uh chasing tone um but here's here's what I would imagine is that you have a few different scenarios here that contribute to uh, the situation. The situation being that let's just throw it out there: like every single pedal company makes a two screamer derivative, or makes a fuzz face or a big muff derivative, or you know you name like the popular circuit and they make a derivative of it. And there's a, f- a few different factors that contribute to that. One, people just want it. People want that. They want a variation on a classic pedal that brings something new from that builder to the table or brings something old to the table that's maybe not accessible anymore. Right. They want, you know, they want a pedal that nails the TS-808 sound. Yeah. But yeah. they just can't find a pedal that nails it in the way they want. And then the new builder comes out and says, this one does it. And then the person who's curious and who wants to sound just like Steve or Avon. Yeah. And so, like, I'll give it a try. And, and actually, like, I'm kind of surprised. And probably somewhere out there, somebody's going to shoot us an email being like, here's the link. Read the description. I'm surprised there ha- there aren't, like, obvious, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan referencing two streamer clones out there sure like no there are but it's like there's not as many as you would think because i bet that gets old real quick i mean i guess uh visual sound back in the day they put out a dual um basically it was a dual jekyll pedal right uh that was i think it was called the double trouble (laughs) there you go Uh, there's your reference right there um but the other side of it is it's incredibly difficult to conceptualize what new would be. Yeah. Like there's so many variations out there and so many things that at one point were new, like coming up with something like legit brand new, 
Like, how do you even conceptualize that? Like, I, I love reverb. If I, I don't know how to build pedals, but I'd, I'd think that if I was interested, I could sit down and brainstorm a new style of reverb. But it's like, I can't for the life of me think of what that would even sound like. Well, and it's like we all have these reference tones in our head. Yeah. So if you sat down to design a new reverb, would you really be sitting down to design a new reverb or would you just be sitting down to design like the ultimate drippy, I would be sitting drippy down, spring sound? Yeah, I'd be sitting down to reorganize and re-accentuate elements of reverb that I already know I like. Like the concept of a new, like new, new reverb sound. Like what is that? What would it even sound yeah, like? Yeah, it's what it's going to be is like eventually... Um, and maybe I, I don't remember what the name of the company is, but there's, there's a company, um, that does is imp, they do like impulse response reverbs, right? Basically it's all like digital. Yeah. It's all digital samplings. And so like, literally I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at this thing right now. So it's on my mind. Um, friggin' water heater reverbs. What do you mean? Like, I mean, like, somebody's just going to go in and be like, oh, let's use a water heater as, like, an echo chamber and record a bunch of guitar uh, through it. Oh, yeah, because make- that, yeah, because that, the thing, the technology you're talking about is that they use, they, like, they sample environments. Right, right. So, so you kind of have that, like, kind of potential with it. But the problem is, is, like, so actually, I feel like with a reverb is, is, is more, one of the simpler ones if you want to come up with, like, new sounds because all reverb is, is, like, simulating some type of like right. echo yeah so it's like oh what are things that we can make an echo like ultimately like hall reverb is just like somebody said hey this is let, what my what's hallway, hallway sounds, like. sounds like yeah you know somewhere out there somebody's got a bathroom reverb because i know like yeah. that was like i i forget what band it was no i know what band it was i just don't really want to talk about it it was noise ratchet <laughs> um supposedly one of the songs that they they recorded back in the day like they recorded the drums in a bathroom right and that was like the secret sound to like how they or the secret technique for like how they got the drums to sound the way they got them to sound so they recorded them in a bathroom <laughs> i'm sure right. a lot and of there's bands been a, there's that. been a lot of different like studio recordings that feature that kind of like tooling around and yeah. messing around. And, and, and I think you kind of with drives, but then now we have the option to kind of digitally reproduce a lot of that stuff. So maybe that is the next thing. It would, it would be neat if there was an echo pedal that came out where like someone like modeled it after like, Oh, here's this specific spot on the grand Canyon. And we modeled it, you right. know, like but the thing is, things is, that are modeled is, after physical locations. Is that takes work in right. terms of like, either you're going to have to like work, you're going to have to record these things and then find a way to like assign parameters to it. Yeah. All these different things because it's all done digitally. Um, but I, then also there's the mentality where people are like, okay, that sounds cool, but most of us want something that'll get us, that sound from the classic recording. Right. And it's like, there's no classic recording out there. That's like, Oh, we went, we just went out and set up a mic and an amplifier by the grand Canyon and, and got this. Well, and it's, it's an extremely specific idea. I mean, yeah. Keely has a pedal called the caverns. Earthquaker has the afterneath in both cases. Like the theme of these pedals are like, they're huge cavern. Right. Right. Big idea. Big, uh, 
big echo chambers, big reverb chambers yeah. for for these uh, these pedals. And you know, it, you're, it's kind of like, well, that's cool, but you know, d- is that enough to cover like our need for like, oh no, th- this pedal is called the Mammoth. We went in and played guitar like in Mammoth Cave, or we did a sign right, generation right. in Mammoth Cave in order to. Is there enough variation between stuff. these physical locations? Or and, and maybe there are. I don't know. Um, yeah. the, the one that I find interesting is is the idea with drives, like your like the projector, right? Or um, using know. using. Uh, I didn't fully read up on the projector, but it looks and sounds great. I, I'm assuming it's uh, the the uh, the drive circuit or an audio circuit from an actual projector. Yeah, and they've reproduced that. So that's that's interesting. I think that's a lot of fun, and that's kind of in the long along the lines of like the JHS color box and the crown, where it's like this is the uh, the preamp section out of a console. Uh, I think there's a lot of fun that could be done that way. But then at the end of the day, is that an original? That's not an original circuit. It's an it's a new way to use that circuit, which is fun. Yeah, um, we've got the projector or JHS with the color box, kind of doing like the Neve console uh-huh. thing. Um, you have these different ideas uh, in terms of delay. Like that's kind of like the idea with the with the kilobyte. So right. Kilobyte was a, it's like a karaoke delay chip out of like a karaoke machine yeah. or whatever. Um, so you you see some guys doing it. I think I think it's just a balance, you know. Yeah. I I've heard Brian talk about it on Chasing Tone a little bit, where it's like the problem with new ideas is as fun as it is to to explore like a new, completely like wild idea is. If yeah. you come out with this something that no one's ever heard before and only like five people want to buy it because there's only five people who can figure out how to make it like right. work, then congratulations. You just spent all this manpower yeah. on you just like, spent a year of R and D. Yeah. On yeah. something that like five people buy. So if they're buying it at like two hundred dollars a pedal, you've brought in a thousand dollars. Uh each pedal's got like you know, $50 in parts. So you've profited like $750. But then how much of your personal or how much of your work time did you waste? And this isn't directed. I, I, I'm using Brian as an example, but it's like, you know, you make a new version of the Clarksdale. Right. Or, you know, something that you know is going to sell well. You sell like a thousand units of that at a cheaper price with like a lower overhead your R&D suddenly becomes worth it. Right. And so these are things that like, I mean, it's kind of tough. There's certain kind of circuits that if they're proven, you know they're going to sell. And if you already have a fan base, you know that they're going to buy your version of it. So it's it's a tough thing. All right. So to kind of like get off the topic of, you know, business limitations or design limitations sure. or something like that, off the top of your head, is there a type of, pedal that you'd like to see that doesn't exist or like a, like to see an innovation that doesn't exist? Um, Keeley put together a pedal a year or so ago that was kind of a joke. Uh-huh. But I kind of feel like it's the direction that th- things are going to go in order. And I think it's a direction that things can go that kind of makes things interesting. In some ways, I guess this was almost like a predecessor to the workstation idea. Um, 
which was I forget what they called it, but it was their fuzz reverb combo. Right. Yeah. Um, that I think was kind of like a secret pedal. Uh huh. I think, I think they only made it, like two of them or yeah. something like that. Um, but I think it, from that perspective, like what EHX has done uh, with like the different like the tattoo and whatever yeah yeah these different ideas of like putting several effects in one box kind of gives you this custom uh pedal concept but then you know i don't i wonder if these companies could get away with like taking two pedals that they already build putting them in one box giving it a new name like are people gonna go for that or are people just gonna be like oh this is just their overdrive and their flanger yeah. in one box. I mean, their flanger yeah. in one box. I was like, going to correct you. I'm glad. Oh, uh, why, why would I want this? This is right. stupid. But, you know, that's that's kind of the limitation. A lot of people love those double, double pedals, though. I'm not into it usually, but uh, but that's like a whole other thing. I'm like talking like, would you want a delay that's somehow so far out of the box that it's a completely original thing? I mean, I, I, I don't know because I'm not imaginative enough. <laughs> that is the problem. That is the trick to this: is that you've got to have someone who can think in these sounds and imagine a new sound, and then figure out how to make the technology to make that new sound. Like it's that's. A tall order. Yeah. I would say I would like... And I'm a creative person. I do creative stuff every day. And I know that that's like... That's like some mind-bending stuff. Like, how do you... I, maybe it's because I don't think in sounds. You yeah. Know, you think I should be able to think it, it, in some sounds. You know, sounds, it's but. probably out there already. But I would love to hear... Um, and, I, like, you know, the push, even with some digital delays, is like, oh, how can I make this sound, like, like washier? How can I do this? Um, even like the boss DD five, like one of the really popular mods for the DD five is the high cut mod, uh-huh. like, because it's too high, but like, and someone probably has it. I just don't know about it is a delay pedal. Like how about a delay pedal with a treble boost built into it? That is only on the repeats. Interesting. So, you know, the complaint with digital is like, Oh, it's like, it's not dark enough. It's not warm enough. Like, but then the pro of digital is like it really cuts through because it's bright. So let's take that idea of like it's this clean, crisp digital repeat. And now you've got a treble boost built into it or like some kind of like thing where you can make it so that like you can just make this digital delay like as like just ultra bright. Because even like beyond like, bright. Like even the tonal recall. If you turn the tone like all the way up where it's at its brightest, it's kind of like starts to get into like boss DD territory right, and right. brightness. Like what if you took a boss, some a pedal that was already at the boss bright? DD thing and you just went like super bright. Like so bright that you can't even stand it. Maybe that's like the worst idea ever, but it's like somebody, somebody's got to have made that somewhere. As just a super bright digital delay. Yeah. Why not? Well, if, there, if you can get a digital delay that would have a, like an effects loop in it. You could put a trouble booster. You could put a trouble booster. You could put an EQ in there and just pull out all the lows. There you go. Or, and boost the highs. Uh, I don't know. It's It seems like, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like the mentality, like, 
if you there's a popular style of music that everyone is listening to, you're like, how could ever, how could it ever possibly get newer and better than this? And yeah. you know, like you got the, you know, the tried and true phrase like rock and roll will never die. They said that because like, how could it possibly, how could music possibly be more fun than this? How could we possibly have better music that we love more than this? Yeah. And then eventually, some someone innovates and comes out with something, and you're like, I would have never thought to play music like yeah. that. Vanilla Ice. Yeah, Vanilla Ice comes along and completely changes the history of American music. Yeah. We all thought, bum, 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 bum. I, was I like, like that, I, we thought that was the riff, and then Vanilla Ice came along and was like, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it blew my mind. Mind I mean, blown. complete, complete paradigm shift. Yeah. You know. Game changer. Game changer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just one of these things that's like, it's so hard to imagine it being done until someone does it. And that's really the reason why you don't see it more is because that's like genius level stuff. And then not only does it have to be different, it has to be good to catch right. on. And I think the market has shown repeatedly that like the, the, the markets like has shown repeatedly that it's like kind of against that. Yeah, I mean, think about like how many. I, I haven't seen one in a while, but I know for like a few months, on a weekly basis, I would read the question on one form or another. Who owns a rainbow machine? It sounds really cool, but I don't know how to like use it with a band. Right, right. You know, um, we when we did a thing with Cosonic not too long ago, I got to use the um, what's the name of the the weird like synthy pedal that the that Earthquaker has. Um, I thought that was the arachnoid. No, it wasn't. It's something else. Oh man, come on! It's a new one that they just came out with. I forget. This is bad listening, Ryan. Yeah, we're bad uh, podcast hosts right now. Um, if, so speaking of bad podcast hosts, you, you guys should go check oh, out talk about this? sixty cycle slum. <laughs> it's a, a a fan podcast. That's all about this show right here, 60 Cycle Hum. Yeah, 60 on, Cycle Slum. It's on iTunes. Yeah, who's responsible for that? Uh, Cole Duke, Phil Eisenhower, and Aaron Abubo. That's right. The Spatial Delivery. Spatial Delivery, that's right. Yeah, so I used that thing, and I was like, this sounds really cool. I don't... How would I use this? You got to be a creative person you know, and have a, um, a creative use for it. You one know? of the pedals that was like a big builder... Who did something totally crazy that sounded like completely off the wall, and is a pedal that nobody ever talks about anymore? Is Boss with the um, SL20, the Slicer? Oh yeah, I forgot about the Slicer. That thing was weird. Yeah, in a way that was like, oh yeah, we're gonna make a pedal that makes your guitar sound like a like DJ synth station. It was like a. It was like a sampling delay, right? Yeah, it was like a thing where, like, when you would play, it would like trigger sounds. Uh, it was it was using your guitar like a synth trigger. Right. I, I don't really. I never really. I never. I've never used one. I've only watched videos, and it was a long time ago. I thought it was super cool. I need to look back into it. You know, what's the biggest joke of the pedal industry of the last like three years? One of the most popular. YouTube probably gear demos that I know of. I'm stumped. The Korg Miku. Oh yeah, the Miku. Like and everyone's so... like, this thing is so stupid. 
Why do you, why would anyone want this? Well, you know what? That's the reason no one's making new effects because you're being a douche yeah. about somebody doing something like completely off the wall and you can't figure out how to use it. Guess what? It's not Cork's fault. You're dumb. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Steve. <laughs> I, I really want a Miku. I kind of still want one too to mess around it's with. It's so far like past the hype that I feel yeah. like dumb getting one. But I still like deep down think I could make this work. I feel like it's the kind of, and that's really the issue. Once you, we're past the place of inventing new simple core effects. You're never going right. to invent the new tremolo or new reverb or, did I say tremolo right? Tremolo? Tremolo. You're never going to invent the new tremolo. You're never going to invent, you know, overdrive again. Yeah. Like these things are already set in stone. I, you know, if you can, you're brilliant. You might find new ways to do overdrive. Right. But but it's like you're never going to invent a new sound that is going to become the core element for the majority of guitar players. Right. And so we're, we're left with everyone making things that are very out there and very, uh, kind of creative. And it's a kind of like you think talk about the Miku, that's the kind of pedal that's so specific, you're either gonna wrap your whole band around it, or it's gonna be three seconds on one of your songs, and only one of your songs. So it's it's a tough thing to work off of, you know? Yep. And I mean guys, there are guys out there making really unique effects. Um sure. Uh, Brian Hamilton over at Small Sound Big Sound, like they're these like crazy. Like I think a lot of these guys who are in like that kind of like their wheelhouse is fuzzes. Uh-huh. They apply like fuzz ideas to like overdrives and distortions. Yeah. So all of a sudden you've got like gated overdrives. Yeah. Uh, because they're using like fuzz style gating, but like uh-huh. on an overdrive pedal, like so you get some unique things. You know, Electrofaustus, like there are these oh, companies yeah. that are doing like really wild Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like maybe not the most usable thing in the world. I got to say, like still after months and months now, the the freaking uh, uh, Earthquaker Devices Nightwire, mm-hmm. that thing's weird in a way I never would have imagined. Yeah, it's always on your board. It's, I use that thing like legit all the time. Yeah. Like all the time. And it, it creates sounds that, and I would, I would consider, even though it's a harmonic tremolo and those things exist, Mm -hmm. the way it acts and the things you can do with it are very different from a standard harmonic tremolo. I'd say that is, that qualifies as a new take on an effect for sure. Sure. That's original because I, it's, it does things in a way I can't imagine doing it with any other pedal and they're very usable. Like you get really good sounds out of it. And it's like, I think a a really interesting highlight of it is that it works really well in different ways, in different positions on your board. Like right now I've been running it before drives. You run it after drives. You could have it do envelope stuff. You can have it do tremolo stuff. Like it's, it's just like you fix filter stuff with it. Like it's just this kind of bizarre, perfect combination of usable quirky things. I can, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's probably a good example of new pedals and new sounds that work. But it's so like that's such a, you know, that happens so rarely that something 
new and unique is so usable in my opinion. So it's tough. It's a tough concept and any pedal builder that can come out with something truly new that, that is super usable. That's brilliant. That's completely brilliant. And it's the reason it doesn't happen more is because of the amount of creativity involved. Yeah. It's, and that's not a knock on anyone. It's just, no, it's, it's just, hard. Yeah. And you can only, you know, discover the theory of relativity once, you know, and then everyone else is just standing around using and it. And then you just have to wait for Stephen Hawking to prove you wrong. Yeah. Which he's, <laughs> which he's going to do any day have, now. He might've already done it. I don't know. Physics is weird. Yeah. All it's right. All, physics is like, oh, this is completely true, except for when it's not, and then it's always wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know what I want to do right now, Ryan? Uh, I think you want to thank the sponsors again. Yep. Let's uh, say thanks to Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. Yep. If you want more info on the new Sliver series of pedals, head uh-huh. over to sinusoid.com slash sliver. Don't forget, if this is July 5th, 2016 or before July 5th, 2016, you can head over to sinusoid.com slash 10 K to enter their giveaway. They are giving away a set of five sliver patch cables, sinusoid swag and bragging rights to one lucky winner. A Um, bragging rights package? Bragging rights package. Damn dude. So you get the cables and bragging rights. Uh, And I just want to say sorry to sinusoid. I read the uh, their their sponsorship on last week's episode, and I completely botched it. I said silver patch cables instead of sliver, yeah, because I'm no good at reading, and uh, that's my own darn, darn fault. So. It's okay, Ryan, I forgive yeah. you. But they said that a lot of people have been making that mistake, so I don't feel too bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's also it, think I mean, either either way, you should go check these things out. Uh, they look like the heads on them are like super small, like the, you know, the popular style of solderless patch cables these days, but then they have a full sleeve, like screw on sleeve and they're actually soldered cables. So you get the reliability and, uh, strength of a soldered patch cable without the giant size you usually get from a soldered patch cable. And they're, you know, you don't have to rely on your terrible tightening finger skills like you would with solderless so yeah check them um, out they look cool let's also thank our other sponsor barefoot buttons the yes barefoot button of buttons yes the buttons uh, if you have a pedal that you think i would really like to put this on my board but it's just the profile is too low i just can't access it you what got you, big old feet what, what you need is a barefoot button you got big old feet can't get into the tiny crevices maybe you're allergic to shoes your feet are always bare and the, the sharp little buttons on your pedal on those really hard to press true bypass switches that like you got to put your full weight on them. You got to have a barefoot button or that that switch is just going to cut straight through your foot and poke out through the top. It's going to break bones in half. You got to get a barefoot button, soften up your uh, your pedal switching experience. <laughs> we're a big fan. Even though it sounds like we're being silly. Uh, we legit love. This we product. use them. Yeah. So we'll use them all the time. That's all I can say about that. All right, this week's song was sent to us by Yegor Mackey. It's called True Love. Uh, Yegor is a local guy. He is. He's in the group. We have played one of his songs before, I swear. (laughs) He said that we've never played his songs, but I I promise you we have. All right, uh, thanks again for listening. Um, We'll talk to you guys in a few days. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 